So now you might think all of those problems with the train, you might think, whoa, how is this train going to stay on the tracks? How is it going to keep going in the right direction? Well, the trick is it doesn't. Yeah. Because this is where the story really goes off the rails. Oh, nice. <laughs> um, the train derails. One of the few times when saying this goes off the rails is actually literal and not a figure of speech. <laughs> yes. Hi. Hello. Hello. So, this is Standard Humans. I'm Evan. I'm Aiden. Fountain's Declan. Yeah. Welcome back to our series on the Ottawa O Train. Oh boy, oh boy. It's been a good one. This is part three of maybe three. We'll see where we get to. Maybe a little bit more, but... Maybe ten. Who knows? It might keep going. They might just keep doing shit. They might not have given up yet on this O-Train yeah. shit, but we'll see how it goes. There has been developments while we've been recording. It's in between recording sessions. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're getting up it's to like... very much up to the present, I think, towards the end of this, which is very good. Yeah, so... To summarize, basically, episode one was, like, the prehistory of the O-Chain. Um, like, Ottawa Transit for all of time. And then, you know... Aiden, do you have the notes? Mate, I cannot fucking skim the notes uh, that bad. Yeah, oh, okay. was... <laughs> like, 60 pages or something. Damn, uh, wow. I, I can... It was... It was... Please, yeah, Declan, do you have a... Yeah, you Declan, the like, knowledge. We went over, like, what... what what type of transit services and stuff and then went over like the history of transit in ottawa you know like all the way back to like indigenous people first and then you know the streetcar system but really mainly like post 1973 oc transpo bus rapid transit system then there's like the pilot project that was really good and then the failed extension of the pilot project and then we kind of got into this new confederation line being built that was episode two. Oh yeah uh, i'm gonna restate the legend real quick so or like the you know just to clear it up the confederation line red line line one and then green line trillium line line two those are the two lines with their different aliases very good uh, yeah yes and then in in episode two we got into the 2010 municipal election and all the shit that went down during that the procurement model that was used a lot of issues with the train quality and the train selection the testing oh my god the, the, the shit that went on into testing yeah. yeah and the influence of a secret cabal known as the whatsapp group yeah which the oh voice. boy oh boy the i feel like that's part of what takes this story to the next level over the usual transit shenanigans is the like yeah. corruption involved just the lads trying to figure out how to cheat on their city city hall homework <laughs> basically yeah yeah they kind of rushed through their homework but they left it to the last night it's not, it's honest, not honestly relatable <laughs> it is relatable same especially relatable to rtg who apparently also left their homework to the last night <laughs> You know, they're like, which is, yeah, Rito Transit Group. Um, yes, yeah, like, yeah, basically, so what we're talking about is, again, at the end of the summary would be like, there was a, a WhatsApp group of, um, what is it, Alan, uh, Jim Watson, but he came in a little bit later. Um, who were the other two again? What were their names? 
uh, John Manconi and Steve Kanellakanos. Um, yeah, all city officials. Uh, I forget their exact titles. So. Yeah, basically, it was Steve's job, right? Steve's job. Yeah, it was um, like city manager. I think John. Or yeah. Yeah. It was it was either Steve's job or John's job to just look at the results of the testing and tell city council what happened. Um, but instead of doing that, he had this WhatsApp group where he's like, guys, what should I tell council and what should I keep secret from council? And then they decided. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Which is, is not very much not what you want. And then going from there in this episode, um, there's like one or two points to like backtrack on and cover, I think, um, or corrections to make from previous ones. But then we want to really get into the grand opening and all of the problems that have happened since it's really started operation, which I think people who have lived in Ottawa and taken the train will be a little familiar with because this is when things start to really uh, hit the public and the problems get the real obvious. You're taking the train or not. Very true in a lot of cases, yeah. or not. Yeah, attempted. Not the replacement buses. No. No, I hate the R one so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, rough. Insert that meme of that guy uh, in the morning when like the O trains canceled. Did you see that? It was just a, a video from the news of Tony's pasture, and they're talking about how the trains canceled again, and it's just this one guy like, oh, like just. <laughs> Like with the most like pissed off, or not even pissed off, just like bewildered face that the train is canceled once again, mm-hmm. and people people heartily related. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that 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 checks out. That checks out. Yeah. All right, and then I guess is one last thing uh, to add before we jump into a couple of the points to cover um, is that I think the I think the whiskey pairing for this episode is probably an Isla, as I have here the Ardbeg Ten, because Ooh. just as the Scotch producers of Isla use peat that they have dug from the earth. They use this dirt in order to power the flames and dry the barley that they use to create such excellent scotch. So should OC Transpo use the bullshit that has occurred as their flame to power the future successes, maybe, hopefully, of OC Transit into the future? Is this sponsored? No. <laughs> By our bag 10? Yeah, no, it's not. That'd be nice, though. That'd be pretty all right. It would be very nice, yeah. That's I would good just, shit. And they would literally just need to give us one bottle of Ardbeg 10 ever, probably. Shout out. Every episode forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I, I was just getting... I just spent a bit much time earlier thinking, what would be a good pairing? What would thematically go with this episode? Because I'm getting a bit much of a whiskey collection going, which is a good time. <laughs> I'd say I'd probably pair this with a Carling Ice. Mm, mm-hmm. Which is a uh, not familiar. It's an extremely low quality beer. <laughs> just, just cause it just, it just seems like you know you could crack open a. That's probably that's. I would guess that's the beer of choice for people whilst sitting on the O train. You know, so mm. seems right. And there's also Carling Avenue in Ottawa. So yeah, Carling Ice and ice messes up the train. So. That's true. Wow. So much. So much. So much crossover. So much themes. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Just speaking of like ice messing up the train, it was so funny. I was at a uh, open house thing for the Eglinton Crosstown West Extension the other day, just like a virtual one, because I was like, oh, oh. I-, I just joined their newsletter and I was curious. 
yeah. and there's like a big Q and A at the end. And one of the questions was basically like, Ottawa's train doesn't do well with the uh, weather. Why are you making a portion of this uh, elevated? Isn't that bad? Say. They basically said, uh, this is a really common thing to do. We have a lot of elevated sections in Toronto as is crossing yeah. rivers. Uh, it's a really common structure where we do this a lot. It's going to be okay. It's, it's, it's actually pretty impressive. They messed it up as bad as they did. See the sea train, you know, that's in Calgary. That's way worse than here or Ottawa for weather. They run it kind of fine. It is so. possible. Anyways. Okay. Moving on. Uh, two points to cover or to fill in some stuff from the last episode. One was that I was furiously Googling and trying to figure out where the heck uh, the Citadel's duelist had been used. I looked at the report and I think it's just like two places had used it before. Um, which again, uh, to recap, the Citadel's duelist was the train that was vaguely what the Citadel's spirit, the train that Ottawa eventually got was based on. So it, it had not been that widely used. It had been used, but not not very widely. So where were the two places? I think it was in France. Um, that's where most of, I think, the, the trams that Alstom make run. Famously harsh-weathered France. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Though, again, it's a different train. It, it, it's, it's not yeah. the same train as that. So that was a, uh, not exactly, I think, correct to say that it's service-proven, but oh well. Yeah. I think I would actually say it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I think so, I yeah. Also, is that a Thor poster in the background? When I just noticed that. Is that new? Uh, it is a Thor poster. <laughs> Terribly. I think we got uh, that from Mom like a few from, years ago. Yeah. Nice. Christmas one year? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And then the other point that I wanted to bring up, because I glanced through the report a little bit um, earlier and was just like, holy shit, what the hell is this? Is that... Uh, Alstom didn't have tracks to test on until like much later than they needed to because um, if you recall they really rushed their proposal and in their original proposal they were like all right we're going to get the components from the North American suppliers we're going to ship all of it to France and we're going to build it and test the trains there and then move them back over to Canada and then Very later on they were I, I feel like that would have been better because they have existing like testing tracks and whatnot in France yeah. I guess that's true. Yeah, like, he, like for cost and both environmental and financial, I guess that would be more. But mm -hmm. it would also work probably. Maybe a little bit better. But instead of that, have, yeah, messed yeah. Up instead of that, they decided to test on the O train tracks because they were like, they'll be ready in time. They'll 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 have that shit with plenty of time for us to test on. And they did not. They they were several years delayed. And instead of having like four and a half kilometer segment of fully electrified tracks going. Um, I think they were expecting that in like 20 2016. Um, it wasn't until late into 2017 that they got a single kilometer of track that they could use for like five or six hours a day because there was still construction going on. So they couldn't electrify it all the time. Very nice. So like they they just did not have the opportunity to test until very late into the project, like basic vehicle testing. <laughs> that yeah. shit that should have been done before they built all of them uh was going on well until like 2019 that's up speaking yeah. of um sorry speaking of uh what is it freaking testing and stuff backtracking a little bit what was uh what was the, what was the situation at the eglinton cross town open house um 
<laughs> oh, you mean in terms of people were, were, were people upset about shit? No, no, no. Like, is it going to open ever? <laughs> uh, so it was not about that. They stressed that a couple times that this was about the Eglinton West cross, um, the Eglinton Crosstown West extension, and that that is a separate project from the Eglinton Crosstown. Oh. Right, because they've all, so the, already started tunneling the section that goes to, what's it, Renforth, kind of by Pearson. Oh, okay. Yeah, they're adding another, like, ten nine kilometers or so, I think, onto it. Um, so they didn't have any answers or, or anything about, uh, <laughs> the, about, the, the, about the main project. But it was interesting. Uh, the meeting was mostly about, like, ecological impacts and, like, replanting and regrowth and stuff like that, which was kind of oh, neat. Nice. Yeah, they, nice. they put a lot of time and effort into like mocking up what stuff will look like like five, ten, thirty years after they've like planted stuff. What? But anyways, <laughs> we we should we should get into some O train. We should now, get into some O train. Now that we've now that we've summarized, now that we've added a few things that were skipped when you correcting in the last episode. Should we get to the grand opening? Drum, the grand please. opening. It's about to happen. Oh my god. We're going to open the train and nothing will go wrong. Yeah, if we remember from last time, testing went exceedingly well. There were no problems. Uh, yes. They passed the phase where we reverted to the 2017 standards with flying colors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> everything's good. There's no issues. They passed the tests really well. They also changed the test before that, but you know. And we're also allowed to just pass themselves if they wanted to. Yeah, and they did want to. <laughs> and they did want to. Yeah, self-assessment is a valid form of assessment. Yeah, yeah, they always say that you'll be, like, more harsh on yourself if you get, like, you know, you're, like, say, quarterly, like, assessment or whatever. They're always, they're always like, because you'll probably identify your own strengths and weaknesses better than we will. It's like, that's well, not well, truly, you trained. Truly, you know yourself better than anyone can know you. So obviously having some kind of external third party objective critique would just be unfair or would just be inaccurate, yeah. really. Yeah, exactly. Inaccurate so, and unfair, totally unjust. O-Train should be, should be self-defined if it's working. Or not. All right. So Declan, tell us about how great the opening phase went. So obviously, since the O-Train is working perfectly in the testing phase, <laughs> nothing went wrong, uh, they decide... Well, RTG wants to do a soft launch, you know, keep bus service, build up the train service over time to hire frequencies more time and stuff. Um, but the city says it's entitled to full service day one. So that's what they do. <laughs> full nice. service day one. Yeah. I like how assertive they are. <laughs> yeah. They're really good at asserting their contractual rights, the city. Um, that they are. <laughs> and I guess for listeners, a soft launch would basically be where you just open it for like a, a day or like a couple days. And you're like, okay, we're opening this basically to test and make sure that once people get on it, it's good. And the, the idea, I think, with soft opening is usually that you'll then like take like a few weeks off to like see how that went and fix any issues that almost certainly came up because you're opening it blind or in this case, really a new system. Yeah. Um. I think that's that's what they did with the REM as well, right? They opened it for like a weekend, closed it back REM. down. The Montreal, or the Réseau Express Montreal, the like big new subway project going on in Montreal. Uh, I'm thinking we might need to do a series on that too, because that's that's actually a base project that I feel like would be a good counterexample of how to do things right. Sick and chill LRT. <laughs> and not LRT. 
uh, is it light or metro subway. or full or metro? I, I would definitely call it light metro. I don't know what type of vehicles, honestly. I don't know, but based. They're automated. Uh, the system has platform screen doors. It's it's And then once it's all open, it's going to double the size of the Montreal metro. Wow. And that's a good metro already, so... <laughs> Which is exactly what you said, I think, in the last two episodes when we I mentioned know. it, too. <laughs> I, I just can't. Yeah, I, man. It's, just, it's still good. It's still true. It's still based. It's still good. Shout out to my homie, the Montreal Metro. It's quiet because it's on those rubber wheels. It's great. Yeah. Um, so there's no soft launch here. And a variety of things happened when it opened. Some that the city and RTG probably knew would happen because of what they found out in testing and some that were maybe more unforeseeable or there just should have been some more care taken when opening the systems. Um, and just to just keep this in mind also while they're opening the system, like RTG and the city still like hate each other. <laughs> they they still have like litigation that hasn't been resolved yet. <laughs> they uh, have not necessarily liked working with each other at this point. Um, and so, uh, oh yeah, here's some of the problems that happened are, uh, you know, the door problems. We're, we're familiar um, with the door problems. I think everyone is familiar with the door <laughs> problems. If you're familiar with the opening, this was the famous one. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, the doors don't work. Uh, uh, they would, uh, not function properly is just how I leave it. They, it has been fixed. Uh, by now, by the way, just yeah. yeah I mean, they fixed that within days. That was just so funny <laughs> that, like, on a fundamental level, the doors didn't work. Which I mean, yeah. makes sense. The like crush load people like trying to pile in and catch their train and holding doors is very different than yeah. some testing. But like, they found those issues in testing. I think we covered before. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I remember taking the train very soon after it opened, but. The main reason that I was like, because I was working in Gatineau at the time, so commuting from Ottawa to Gat- from Canada to Gatineau every day, but I was hyped when it opened because then for some reason it caused the introduction of a new like Canada to Gatineau single bus route. Um, yeah. And so I was hyped about it, but I didn't even take it. <laughs> so I was just like, ooh, thanks for this new bus route train. That's neat. Yeah, that's that's actually very convenient. Maybe yeah. that's just like freeing up buses because, like Declan said, they didn't do a soft launch where they kept the bus routes in yeah. service. Immediately had other buses to dedicate things. Yeah, I yeah. Guess so. And this, this, yeah, the 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 fact that it was a, wasn't a soft launch caused some problems with the buses, just because mm-hmm. they they you know spread out those buses to other lines and stuff. So when they had to do replacement service, uh, when the train was down, they would have to take all those buses from those other routes and you immediately uh, have to cut service on the lines that you've just like added service to because yeah. you now need these buses again because they didn't keep them in reserve because they're like what would, what could go wrong with the new train yeah. <laughs> reserve okay that's um, fair as based as it sounds to have a canada to get or they probably should have like waited a couple weeks yeah. <laughs> i would imagine yeah. um i is is this why sometimes if you were just waiting at Pimacy, there would be like the live tracker thing at the stop for buses, and then sometimes they would just drop off. Um, 
I, I don't know why the like like why the live tracker is sometimes wrong. But is like I remember, doing? I would often be waiting for a bus to like go across the bridge to Gatineau. They'd be like, okay, this one's coming in ten minutes. Okay, nine minutes. Okay, eight minutes, and then it just disappears off the tracker, and I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've had that happen to me before. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I it's mostly transport. It might have so, just gotten canceled. Yeah, sometimes it it's uh, just the schedule time is being shown and not the actual GPS, and then it just like switches. So and then it checks GPS, and it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe it just doesn't exist. It's just the bus, the bus in Montreal. It's not coming anytime soon. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. But uh, also these maintenance issues. The only option for the city to fix these problems is to flood RT, RTM is the maintenance division of RTG. Um, <laughs> kind of just like a separate division. Well, a separate company, but basically a separate division for like maintenance. So it's like RTG, the Rideau Transit Group builds it and then RTM maintains it for like the 30 years they contracted. Yeah, even RTG and other sub companies build the project too. Um, mm. But the core talks about RTM a lot, so I'll, I'll use them for maintenance. It's fine. And uh, flood RTM and Alstom with work orders and then reduce maintenance payments because of reliability issues, which just flooding them with work orders and reducing payments to them doesn't necessarily help fix problems, uh, as we've learned with yeah, kind of this again to project. go back to like how the whole thing's set up. The city's only tool here is basically to hit the like fine button. And now that the thing's going, the like work order button to give them like a report saying like, fix this, fix this, fix this. <laughs> and like, just like dock them pay because it's not reliable because it's not working. Um, so then just to go over some of the maintenance issues, we got the door faults like we talked about. There was issues with power supply in the trains, um, which apparently wasn't fully fixed. Oh, pardon? What was up with that? Uh, they had a new supplier, of course, <laughs> because of the Canadian it. content requirements. And apparently they didn't work too well together. Uh, it wasn't fixed by the time of the report was done, apparently. But uh, they were working on replacing the uh, supplier with someone else. Mm -hmm. um, there was train control management issues. Uh Apparently the trains would reboot at the end of the line, which they didn't want. Like the software just turned off and on again automatically when it hit the end of the line. Apparently, yeah. Wow. So they did a software update and solved that eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, I patched the train. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was track buckling. Um, I'm not sure if this is fully fixed, but tracks got too hot. In the summer? What is track? Oh, okay, yeah, I was going to say, I don't know what that so, is, but it sounds serious. It's like the, the tracks, I think, oh. get closer together, right? They they buckle, I guess, if you will. And uh, I just got a quote here, because I don't really understand it, from some guy from Alstom said, you'll get the rails squiggling off to the sides like spaghetti. Oh. That actually, that does check out to me, because remembering... Um, engineering classes buckling is basically um if you have like a metal rod it's when forces are applied basically going opposite directions so say like towards the center from either side and eventually if you just get enough like force going on each of them the thing will just 
will buckle. It'll like essentially snap or like twist up or like bend because it just cannot handle the forces. So that actually makes sense because in the summer, the tracks expand. And as they yeah. expand, it's all like pushing against each other. Exactly. So then it would just it become extends. a squiggly mess. And it couldn't extend, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, so mm-hmm. exactly, yeah. Because well it's, like, it's like multi-kilometer tracks. There's nowhere yeah. for it to extend to. Um, but that sounds like a pretty serious issue, I'll say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, apparently, it, it kind of created a... Or a I'm not entirely sure if it's been solved, but it definitely caused some maintenance headaches because they have to, in the short term, or had to de-stress the rails by, I guess, like detaching them and reattaching them, kind of, so hmm. that they could do their thing without snapping. I guess yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Again, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that would be like how if you're building like a house uh, and you've got like wooden floors or something. Mm-hmm. If you're building it in the winter, was like naturally contracted, and then during the summer it expands. So you try and like build in a little bit of buffer space uh, between it. If you're doing it, say like in the winter, assuming it will like expand more. Otherwise, it's just gonna get all like warped out of shape over the summer. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, apparently, long term, they'll their plan was or is to do a report on what the neutral temperature should be. Uh, it wasn't done by the time commission, so I don't, I'm not entirely sure what the progress on that is or how that works. <laughs> but yeah. Fair. Okay. But there they're was... still working on it, basically. <laughs> I think so. Um, there was also wheel problems, uh, which in particular, uh, at the start here, there was wheel flats and cracked wheels, which. Again, sounds pretty serious. <laughs> yes uh the wheel flats happened in the winter time because the trains would use emergency braking when they would uh they would they wouldn't stop and start precisely how they wanted it to so sometimes the trains would use their emergency brakes to stay away from the train in front of them or whatever that makes sense because at least in my mind what's happening there is because if you remember it's like steel on steel right steel wheels on steel tracks if you do like an emergency brake i assume that would just halt it in place and lock it in place so then the whole thing's just skidding along these steel tracks and i assume that means that it would just get like grinded down on one side of the wheel because i was immediately thinking how do you get a flat on a steel tire (laughs) but i guess if you you did that it's exactly like how if you you get you can get a flat spot skateboarding is if you just like are going forwards and then just I don't know like skid sideways like perpendicular to the direction of the wheel down a ramp or something by accident. If you do if you do that like decently hard, then you can get a flat spot because it just grinds off part of the wheel. Probably. Yeah, that's interesting. That's, yeah. yeah, the wheel's getting flat. Not that's not what you want. <laughs> Um, so apparently there was also the wheel flats could be fixed by a wheel lathe and there was one wheel lathe that they had and it was out of commission for long periods because the one repair person they had was overseas for long periods of time yeah (laughs) one repair person apparently oh my god I I don't know how that worked but uh yeah i think 
think they allowed a change in braking, which I think has fixed this problem. Um, but yeah. Um, then there is cracked wheels. Um, once again, Alstom is using a new supplier, and they incorrectly installed jacked screws in the wheels. And that was on, I think, all of the wheels, which caused damage to the wheels over time. Um, and the issue wasn't fully solved until February 2022, so it, it has been solved. And it was the, uh, part of one of the first investigations that the TSB, or the Transportation Safety Board, did into the O-Train. So finally, the feds, if you will, <laughs> doing some taking over some of the safety uh, mm. a little bit, which they delegated to the city right at the start of this yeah. project. Yeah, and like, oh my god, with all of these, we just can't emphasize enough, like we talked about before, how much new shit is happening with all of this. Like, this is all new suppliers to, for Alstom. Not like, not only have they kind of like stretched service proven saying that like all the components you know they've been used before just not together uh they're also getting the components from new suppliers because they got to get them from like canadian and other like north american suppliers yeah so it's all just new shit all being built in a maintenance facility as we (laughs) talked about last time with people who have never done this before (laughs) all of all of this project really does feel like last minute homework because it's like (laughs) especially with the well all the parts have been used before we're not inventing a new part we're just putting them all together in a way that hasn't been put together before <laughs> but it's uh, but it's service proven because the parts we're not literally like designing our own individual components though they probably had to do i mean they did have to do a number of modifications i think to a lot of them so honestly a lot of new shit still yeah but yeah it's it's very think, rushed homework yeah so yeah all of those maintenance problems and i think even more uh like i just listed them out but they were all happening simultaneously while the train was launched in full right at the get-go kind of thing so yeah like is this the first few like weeks basically of like all the issues that happened i guess like months maybe for some of them yeah some of them took well some of them took a few years to fix some of them are ongoing some of them are ongoing (laughs) i should have checked occasional transport It looks like it's running right now. Oh, good, good. Two days since the last incident. So now you might think all of those problems with the train, you might think, whoa, how is this train going to stay on the tracks? How is it going to keep going in the right direction? Well, the trick is, it doesn't. Yeah. (laughs) Because this is where the story really goes off the rails. Nice. (laughs) Um, The train derails. Um, It doesn't... one of the few times when saying this goes off the rails is actually literal and not a figure of speech. <laughs> yes. And it doesn't just derail once also. It derails twice. Um, also what you don't want. They're all, it was only a month apart as well. When we're talking derailment, like I picture like Spider-Man 2, like shit is falling off the tracks. But like, what does that actually look like derailment? Um, I think seeing pictures of it, it... Is like the train didn't just like fly off the tracks. Um, <laughs> it just kind of like derailed a bit and then kind of skid along for a while. Especially, I think the first derailment it didn't go for that long, but the second derailment it kind of just like went and skid along the tracks, kind of for like half a kilometer. Wow. 
there's like a picture of it and it's still like kind of on the tracks like i think it might have been like one or two bogeys down that actually fell off so the front was still on and the back was still on oh okay yeah it, it kind of depends uh because some derailments can be really severe think like was it palestine iowa that like massive derailment a while back or east east palestine east yeah. palestine iowa yeah palestine. Or some, palestine palestine true they call it palestine for some reason yeah yeah palestine okay <laughs> sure but sometimes it's like if there's an issue with the first one the rest will just like almost like zigzag all get like cranked at a place sometimes it'll like end up on its side um so it can be very dangerous but this this one didn't seem as bad which is, is mostly a matter of luck yeah mm-hmm. also no one was injured in either of the derailments um one one i think the first derailment it was just the operator on board and the second one there was like 12 people they were all they were okay um that's good so we can laugh at this thing it's oh yeah 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 just looking at these pictures here yeah it's just like slightly the train just became zigzaggy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it just uh but only only slightly i think i'm yeah. i think i might be using one of the photos of that for the uh cover image for this episode hey oh see so all i'll be able to see but yeah it became zigzaggy like i'm trying to think of a scale like a lightning bolt <laughs> you know uh, not that yeah Depends on how aggressive you were as uh, for drawing lightning bolts as a child, but That's true. I was pretty chill. I was pretty okay. Tame, so. It's a chill lightning bolt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was fun finding the quickest route. The lightning bolt. So the first derailment, uh, there was a problem with the axle bearing, and they it, they shut down the train for five days and put in a new safety regimen where they would check the axle bearings every 7,500 kilometers. Um, And then they put it back into service. And a month later, it derailed again. But this time... Is this the same same specific train we're talking? I am not sure. It didn't mention that anymore. I don't... So I kind of assume it's not, but it could be. Uh, actually, if derailed, like, well, probably, I don't know, who knows? I, <laughs> uh, you would hope it's not, but it might be. <laughs> I'm not sure if it's the same train, actually. That, that's a good question. Um, but the cause of this one was different. It w- was completely undisputed, apparently, a failure of the Alstom maintenance to properly tighten some bolts. And so the motor assembly falling off the axle and wheel. Wow. That sounds worse. Yeah, I think that's the, the the main picture that we're looking at is up the second one. Um, yeah, it was bad, and the system this time wasn't shut down for five days. It was shut down for fifty four days. Um, the while. Yeah, I think definitely. So the wait, what, what, what dates are we talking now for these fifty four days for the shutdown? Oh yes, yeah, sorry. The first derail, the first derailment was in August twenty twenty one. And the second derailment was in September 2020. Also a really bad time for it to derail, I guess, as well. Mm-hmm. September being well, the most, um, the highest ridership. Of yeah, the September year. being busy, but 2021 being not a very high ridership year. So <laughs> at least it had that going for it. <laughs> That's true. The, the lockdowns definitely, I guess, helped the situation. Yeah. 
Probably. Yeah. Imagine, so that, there, there were probably like five people on the train when it derailed. Yeah, there was, there was 12. Yeah, <laughs> so, <laughs> That's an empty train. Out of like the capacity of 600 people. Yeah. On like September 19th. I don't know if this was a... I don't Which know what definitely time. definitely a saving grace. Because, uh, yeah, I think... I mean, the other derailment that comes to mind is the Scarborough Rapid Transit one. And I think a few dozen people were injured in that, though no one died or I think was too seriously injured. Uh, but there was a lot of people that, on that. Everyone got jostled real hard? Oh, yeah, pretty much. Oh, and a few people injured, but yeah. not as bad as it could have posed. Yeah. Okay, but so it's basically Alstom maintenance, not tightening some bolts enough. Yes. So not good. Not good. Um, apparently they found that Alstom did not have a robust enough quality control system in place. They have since updated this. And periodic inspections were changed from 7,500 kilometers last month to 3,750 kilometers. They would they would quite, inspect. It's quite an increase. Yeah, that's twice yeah. as much. And they would just change out the bogies every 175,000 kilometers. Um, uh, for non-train people, what's a bogey? It's just the 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 wheel sets, basically the wheels, as far as I know, and the system. Aren't there? Well, aren't there two types of train bogies? Like, aren't there also the things in the like in the other tier? Aren't those also bogies? Um, like in a in a low floor one? Yeah. Oh, I think I think you're talking about the same thing. Um, because with a low floor one, uh, like, you know how on high floor things like subways, it's all like a pretty consistent floor, but on low floor things like streetcars or the LRT, um, they have seats that are like right risen up. That's basically yeah. to account for the bogies that Declan's talking about because the wheels are there because the floor is so uh, low that a section of it has to go up where the wheels are and then come back down I again. See. So that is the same I'm with thing. You now. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like old streetcars and whatnot are always so funny to look at because they have like one bogey. So it's just like one set of wheels right in the middle. <laughs> it's this real like long boy balancing, kind of precarious looking, but I assume it was fine on like four sets of wheels at the very middle of the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's a narrow center of uh, center of gravity. I think Ottawa's streetcar network, apparently they were very late to adopt double, double bogey streetcars. They were still building the single one pretty late. That's we do fine. our own thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know how frequently you'd normally change out the bogies? Because I assume you would eventually, like, just wear and tear. But every seventeen or one hundred seventy-five thousand kilometers, I assume that's frequent since they're going down to that. Um, I, I'm not sure, but bogies will. This is actually. A long amount of time compared to what we'll see later. Interesting. So, okay, <laughs> that's some comparison to go off of, at least. Oh, true. We haven't gotten to recent events yet with the wheels and bogies. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um. So then we can talk about what's happening now. Kind of. We're mm -hmm. almost done with the report from the or the inquiry. You know. Um. Just. <laughs> The just the last part of the inquiry is the um the recommendations, okay, Excellent. on what to do. Yeah, what should Ottawa and <laughs> they should kick it. <laughs> um, uh, the report gives 103 recommendations um for the city, provincial, and federal governments, and 
uh, recommendations have, I think they've made it through 56 of them so far, uh, the city. We're we're talking over a third. Yeah, that's like over half, D6 out of like 103. Oh, 103. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they said 143. Oh, okay, that's not bad at all. I mean, hopefully they get through all of them, but you know. Yeah, Yeah. and it's only been a year since the report came out, or... Yeah, yeah actually, about a year as yes. of recording. It's almost yeah. So just to go over some of the some of the recommendations, I think we kind of touched on some of them while going through the report. But uh, yeah, you know, summarize planning in the planning phase of a transit project. You want to make sure you have good priorities, not necessarily just cost certainty and schedule certainty, but other things maybe in the public interest. Like reliable transportation. Oh, oh, and safety. And safety. This is this is That's a very true. Good You'd point. think that would be a big <laughs> <Yeah>. consideration, <laughs> or a bigger consideration. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Also, just honesty about potential shortcomings and planning for those potential shortcomings. Like the amount of optimism at the start of this project for doing something completely new in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. or not something like. A lot of things completely new. <laughs> yeah. Um, was not necessarily great to have. It should have been planned for at least the potential shortcomings there. Um, for budgets, do not make budgets out of preliminary estimates. Yeah. That's still insane. <laughs> Got to stay on like, time and on budget based on this 5% complete design of the system. <laughs> I'm assuming. Like, sure, maybe he's like, okay, we need to set something aside because we need to, like, do whatever city, you know, city budgeting thing, like, in the future. But, yeah, allow for a gigantic wiggle room there, I would say, as much as you can. Um, or just accept that it's not the budget at all and just wait till there is one. Yeah. I think more so at the latter. Like, a budget isn't actually a thing. And that just fully wasn't a budget. Like, that's yeah. a different, that's a different thing. That's an estimate. Uh, you get to a budget later and then you can be like okay here's what it is i mean you're right in that like you do need to secure funding like it seemed like a big part of the issue was like the province and the feds being like no this is your budget we will give you money to fund this amount but yeah they also need to be less strict on that Um, oh yeah i was gonna say one of the another recommend Mm -hmm. which was interesting was uh, that maybe Ontario could explore if they force a city to use the P3 model, uh, project delivery model, they could maybe pay for the extra costs associated with the P3 model. That could be part of the budgeting, but I don't know if Ontario will actually do that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, that would be nice if they actually force you to do it a specific way for them to pay for the way they want you to do it. But, we'll see. Um, um, and I was, I was just gonna say, it's, it's, yeah. it's so annoying on time, on budget things as well, because like the like, I, I feel like it, if it feels as though that's something that you almost like can't argue with, because it's like, yeah, of course you want it to be like on time, on budget, like no delays, um, no like passing the deadline, no going over budget at all. But like in trying to achieve that, cities like around the world have massively increased the cost of transit in trying to like make sure that they absolutely do not go over the budget. And that kind of makes sense in terms of like, they're just like over designing and like defensive designing to make sure that like 
as much as humanly possible. They factor everything in and design and like build in such a way that like they cannot possibly go over. It just like costs a lot more to have that level of certainty. And then they end up going over anyways because it's a complex project and shit just comes up. And the more complex you make it, the more likely that is to happen. So it just ends up getting even more expensive than it would have been in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, I would say, yeah, on time, on budget is fine. But if you have to go the apparent Eglinton Crosstown route where it's like, okay, those are nice. Or making where uh, it would be nice to be on time and or on budget. But the number one priority is making it a good functional system. And so we're doing that first. And if it goes over time or over budget, then so be it. hundred percent. Yeah. Not. Okay, push it out. We got to release it. Yeah. <laughs> we got to yeah. drop the train. That would be a good counterexample to do at some point, because I, I also recent real, recently realized that 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 was um, Metrolinx's first like major project. Um, I, I say was it is their first major project because it's still ongoing because they were only created in like 2006 or seven, I think. Um, and they'd been running like the Go network before that, but they hadn't like built a system from scratch before. So it's it's a lot of learnings and firsts there, too that I feel like have contributed to a lot of the delays. What's the, what's the, what's the, the current date for the crosstown? Oh, there isn't one. None at all? No, yeah, they still have not committed to anything at this point. They kind of gave up on that a while back um, <laughs> because they couldn't meet any of it. There were just too many issues and too much uncertainty going on. It seems like it's likely going to be 2024, like actually at this point. Like that's what people seem to be planning for, but... Who's Absolutely. to say? Definitely yeah. not early 2024. Um, no. But I, I think they are in the testing phase for the most part at this point and are working through issues. They're just actually taking their time in the testing phase to sort out the issues, which is okay. good. But yeah, I know, it, it's frustrating. I want it to open so bad. It's right by my house. Same. It would be incredible. Yeah. One day. One day. Yeah. We'll see. Hopefully I don't move apartments before that. Or if I do, hopefully it's along the line. Honestly, you might, but I probably oh well. will. I mean, it's still a really useful line or it still will be yeah. a really useful line once yeah. it opens. That'll be my one requirement for wherever I'm moving. It, sh it must be on the future Eglinton Crosstown line. Oh, so you can't be on it, the current Eglinton Crosstown line once it opens. You have to move out to the like more west end. Oh, no. It will be in opening <laughs> all, in the 20s. All Eglinton Crosstowns are the future Eglinton Crosstowns. <laughs> all Eglinton Crosstowns are... Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> do, all, all of them do not exist yet. <laughs> that they don't. I really hope that we're not just proven super wrong and it's just as fucked as the uh as the o train when it opens because then we we're just going on like oh yeah they're taking the time and testing it's actually supposed to be good they're not dedicated to the specific release date or whatever release date opening date but yeah so i hope we're not proven wrong i mean i'm there'll probably be some level of issues with it just i feel like in, in looking more into this and in diving more into transit generally one of the things that just keeps getting hit home as you like look more and more into it is just how freaking complex and hard to do these projects are like they the just the scale and the level of like systems and infrastructure and integration both to like build it and then to run it in like a safe and efficient manner there's just like so many people and so much time and effort into it 
that is hard to comprehend at like an individual level of especially someone who's not like totally versed in it like how it all manages to function but it does and that's not to say we shouldn't hold them to you know high standards we should there's just also an appreciation of like shit it do be hard though um speaking of which so for the now the the, the modern era of o-train um i was around when the most recent i guess catastrophic failure happened um because it it directly followed blues fest day eh? yes yeah and i that's i either biked to blues fest or took the train every single time biking was fantastic because this year they actually had a um a free bike check as in like you know like a coat check oh worked the same way where they have like a fenced off bike garage where you give an attendant your bike and they put a number on it and give you a ticket with that number and you leave and then come back at the end and here's my number where's my bike please and it was all free so that was super nice mm-hmm. um but uh the train the train was also nice because it didn't break during blues fest but that was the most full i've seen the o train but still like it was definitely within what should have been the estimated capacity um as in like it was like you know taking taking line one downtown at 8 40 a.m you know like it's full most of the standing room's full and everything but like we're not tokyo people pushing yet so true yeah 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 Yeah. and uh i don't know if you've been here after the after the shutdown as well i've been but i haven't taken the ocean okay well we'll we'll look at it we'll get to that yeah yeah Yeah. it's, it's, it's been a bit more busy recently Interesting. Um, right. Should but, we keep uh, going through some of these recommendations because you've got a few more, right? Yeah, just just a few oh, more, and then some okay. just themes. Because the again, it's like the project. It had recommendations about the project delivery model, which is just like use objective cr- criteria when choosing the model, and like value the public interest again. Um, <laughs> that uh, there's reducing risk during procurement. Proven proven project elements should be preferred, is what it says. That would be cool, yeah. <laughs> Using service proven... Okay. Um, maybe reviewing the Canadian content requirements. See, that's one for the provincial government to look at, which hopefully they... It, it gave some recommendations for what could, you know, maybe incentivize Canadian... The development of Canadian industries without necessarily denying us trains that work kind of thing. <laughs> Well, denying us trains that work or making us subject to the whims of Bombardier. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Who got, I think their transit section got bought up by Alstom, right? Yes. So it is the whims of Alstom now, basically. Oh, okay. Because I heard heard Bombardier or some are kind of sus when it comes to price negotiations sometimes okay foreign people this is the price okay domestic in canada yeah that's eight quadrillion dollars who are you gonna go to someone else you can't that's true it's just them or at least it was until they sold off all of their divisions (laughs) Um, there's a bombardier testing facility right next to my love for planes i love how it says on wikipedia it says fate acquired by alstom (laughs) (laughs) your fate is sealed you are bought by Alstom. That's a fantastic way to phrase it, yeah. Um, 
Yeah. So just some quick themes as well that are present in the other stuff, like promoting co collaboration and integration. Integration was a big problem during the project, um, and collaboration as as part of that. And another large theme is transparency. Very important for the testing and everything that we went over. <laughs> transparency would have been very good uh, so that that doesn't happen, where you just have basically the good. city, um, you know, passing tests. It should not be passing. Yeah. Um, it's kind of safe, guys. <laughs> many other do you really reasons. need a fire suppression system? Again, it's not necessary to making the train go. So, yeah, fine. exactly. In fact, old trains used to run on fire. So, I mean, it, it would kind of run better That's if you true. don't have a fire suppression system. It'll make the train want to run even faster because yeah. it'll be running away from the fire that's burning yeah. nearby. So really, it'll just improve efficiencies and speeds. Yeah, exactly. I think using the fire to run some of the rolling stock, you know, bringing back some steam trains. Could bring, really yeah, bring back steam trains. Steam streetcars, in fact. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> especially the underground port so i was just thinking yeah that would be fine that's okay that look good. it's only like three stations it's fine yeah. you can have a little steam a little smoke <laughs> it'd be nice actually mm -hmm. a little yeah. in the winter <laughs> very true yeah yeah um so that was the report basically so now we can kind of talk about what's happening now um so okay we've been through the report Yes. If we if we take a step back for a second, can you in some ways summarize what went wrong here? Because I was asked that the other day when I mentioned I was doing a series on this, and I kind of fumbled through a bunch of the reasons that we talked about, but it was kind of like, well, there's a lot. So I don't know <laughs> if you're able to more so summarize or pinpoint in a, like a more specific way. Okay, if you look at this holistically, what went wrong here? I think I think there's there's definitely some themes. Uh, of what not to do in transit project, and I think um, having good relationships within a project is very important. I think that led to a lot of bad faith things happening in this project. Uh, so that could have helped avoid a lot of the corruption just if there was good relationships kind of going on, mm -hmm. or at least I think that's a theme of the report. Definitely, um, I think difficulties with integration and integration in like a lot of ways between like alstom and other com companies right between all the different um just between all the different contractors and all their different subcontractors even just alstom having to use the canadian content requirements and having to integrate with all of those new canadian companies it's really important in such like a complex uh project like you said um just integrating everything together is so difficult um and should be really taken as an important part of the project uh and so maybe using also p3s to do that integration difficult to enforce um and then also just using reliable strategies and technology is really important um you know kind of using stuff that works and you know works and maybe even is standardized amazing for a transit project in terms of taking the time it takes down getting more transit built for less money and less time that works well i think those are like maybe sort of three big themes um i don't know if i've missed anything i feel like i feel like that makes sense though if i were to try and like 
take a step back because I've been like reflecting on this a lot lately because I don't know, just like you, I think too much about transit, especially <laughs> a transit system that I've literally taken twice. Uh, <laughs> but like good time. Yeah, yeah, it was it was working great both times I took it. It was excellent service. Can, cannot complain. Ten out of ten. My experience has been similar actually, but I, I haven't taken it that much. Again, when it's running, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, Which we'll probably yeah. get to. But it's I feel like never. like I, I keep on mulling in my head. I know that this is a like you said, an inquisitorial um thing, not a accusational or whatever the other word was. Uh, like we're not accusational investigational yeah. something like that we're not looking to like lay Ad- blame here adversarial adversarial there you go or at least the report isn't but then yeah. when i start thinking about it maybe maybe i'm looking to like lay blame here or there or figure out like okay what actually who did wrong what went wrong what could have like changed and like uh, for a while there i was thinking like okay what could the city have done differently really could they have done anything differently they don't know how to run a train they haven't done this before. So they have specifically gone with a system where they get to offload all the risk and the knowledge and the experience to a private company. So could they have done anything different? And I, for a while there, I was thinking like, I don't know that they could have, but I, I, I feel like they could have. Like one of the fundamental oh. things with any of these projects is like, you have to have in-house expertise. You have to have a team that like actually working for the government that knows how to run one of these projects like the fact yeah go on oh i was gonna say the city could have done different because they could have well some members of the city could have let the city council know actually what was going on (laughs) very true yeah i i know like i come back to that that bit a lot too that's almost i feel like that's almost like downstream or like a side effect of a lot of the other stuff though like that's I feel like just so blatant and so funny and how low stakes it is. Like I keep, we keep saying corruption cause that's what it is, but it's not like they're like embezzling money. They were just lying. They were just trying not to look as bad. They were trying not to get in trouble. Yeah, basically they were fully just trying not to get in trouble, which I mean is very bad. And the wasted a lot of money that the city could have uh, used for other shit uh, for yeah. more transit potentially, which is bad, but like it feels so low stakes. But I feel like yeah. on a fundamental level, you can't just like hire a company and be like, build me a transit system. You like you need the expertise. That's like one of the, like a key theme across projects is like if you have a good in-house team capable of managing this shit, it can go well because you're able to direct the contractors and all the private companies to do things. But if you don't, they're just going to start doing their own shit, whatever they think is right. And like it fundamentally the responsibility of the project still lies with the city. Like, even if they try and offload it, it's still their project. At least to the citizens. Like, we're not going to be like, hey, what the heck, this company? Like, we're going to be like, hey, what the heck? Honestly, even just fundamentally, like, both to the citizens and in general, it's still their project. Like, they it's got someone train. else to do it. But it, it's it's their train. They're responsible yeah. for it. Yeah, I agree. But that's that's my rant. I don't know. You Feel free to correct anything. Uh, you disagree. Or think it's a little too forceful but i think i think that's a lot of good points i think um i think technically they had i don't know if this counts as in-house expertise but they had a contractor acting as in-house expertise <laughs> a lot of the <laughs> Which, time uh, <laughs> oh sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just they they came up a few times in the in that uh testing part of the project where they were like 
some this train is not good <laughs> and it was somewhat ignored and i think they they just went along with the project in some places where they should have stopped it as well right like where um like when the train wasn't service proven at all <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's something huge yeah. <laughs> you, you need like funny. some leadership there to take action and, and they be stu- like this isn't working they stood their ground once apparently and and it said that that's what true. was it c c a c a f the the spanish train company wasn't service proven or whatever but then with alstom they just yeah and then the city stood the ground one time in testing before being like okay fine you pass this time even though you haven't changed any of your answers which I, I don't think we give them much credit for that, but <laughs> and they like help develop the 2019 testing requirements, mm-hmm. right? But then they just went back on the rules, and yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah, like I, I feel like one of the big things that stood out when I was like glancing through the report was that there was a line, something along the lines of um, when I forget if it was Alstom or RTG or one of the companies was looking to like get input from the city. Um, like they normally would with a partner who's actually going to be like running the service, you know, that would make sense to get like input um, from them and collaborate with them. But I think it said something that when they would talk to the city, they'd get more so like operational concerns rather than like operational insights. So the city's more so just like worried about things rather than actually having any kind of like useful input that would come from experience of running things. And obviously, you know, they didn't have the system before, but that's not to say you can't start to build up the expertise, like reflecting on it. I don't know. Maybe this is too simplistic, but they probably should have poached some transit experts from other cities, ideally some like yes. places that build good shit uh, at a good price, like a Sweden um, or like somewhere in Spain or Japan or something uh, that I think could have really helped. But even I, I always say this, like, yeah, if we get, yeah, if we're talking like, yeah, get one from Tokyo, sure, that'd be fantastic. Probably the best, you know, undoubtedly the top three transit world, probably often one. But I keep saying this, this is like to the east and the west, you can go pretty close. You can go to Toronto or you can go to Montreal and get a much better transit system. So like, just get somebody from one of those cities to be like, so what do you think of this project? What's what do you, what do you, what do you make of this? Anything we should change? Like that, right? I feel like that should be an option. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, one of the things that I would hope happens in future is that Metrolinks might start to take on that kind of a role in consulting, um, because that's like a province level agency that can help other transit or more local transit agencies with their shit. Like they're already doing that to an extent in that they place like group bus orders and stuff so that small towns can get a lot more like cost savings and nicer vehicles. Um, but at the time the O train was being planned, Metrolinx was just, they, they, they hadn't really built anything. Um, cause when, when did the Confederation line start like 2013 or so? Just like 2010. 2010. Okay. Yeah. I think that's pre, uh, Eglinton Crosstown well, starting like, construction. Some of the process started, I guess, in 20, 2009. What, speaking of Metrolinx, what do I have to do to get them to extend the O or the, the go system to Ottawa? Because can you imagine? I, I know, be, right? That that would be amazing. I could take um, a go train to Ottawa for like, probably like thirty five bucks or something. Oh my gosh, that would be pretty based. So they yeah. extend EXO as well. 
Oh, that would be excellent. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ottawa would be the hub. <laughs> yeah. 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 That would be nice. I don't think they have any plans to extend that far currently. Like they are extending, I think it's the Kitchener line to, is it London um, as well, which is a big expansion. But yeah, that's, pretty that's the only major one, I think, on the on the books right now. Also, Kitchener line starting on the week. That would be nice. Um, or at oh, least all the way to Kitchener. I was looking at it the other day, and it goes to, oh, what's yeah. it, Bramalia on the weekend? Bram- oh, I call it. What's it called? Because I call it Bram. Does anyone know? Bramley? You might be right. I, I'm just saying this out loud for the first time, I think. It's Brampton. Yeah. Brampton's yeah. what it is. Brampton. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, because every time I go to visit my friends from university, it's like, yeah, anytime Friday, I'll just take the uh, take the train down. It runs like hourly or whatever, maybe even half hour. So I think it's hourly. But so I'm like, okay, I'll just go after work whenever. Boom, easy. But then going back, I gotta like run a precise operation where I take a go train or I take a go bus from like the university to Brampton, and that runs like every like three hours or something. And the train or or like get one from aldershot or something yeah yeah i feel like the history of go transit would also be an interesting one i got that on my list because like there's a lot that it needs to do to improve and there's a lot that they're doing to improve but it has come so far in the last like decade like it is immensely better than it used to be and it's funny with go transit because my main thing is just like give us more (laughs) (laughs) and oh boy they they really are they are working on it quite a bit which is good like it feels like it can't come fast enough, but they are they are doing shit. Nice. And kind of nice in that it's all like a series of smaller projects. It's not all just like mega projects, like say a cross town or an O train phase one. So it's just constant <laughs> little bits of progress here and there that are adding up. Plus some bigger projects. Yeah, I think the mega project part of the O train is also something pretty important part of the, the problems. Yeah, I don't know. Like we've talked about this in previous episodes, but do you think they could have phased it out a little bit more? Maybe, maybe like building the train itself. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if the alternate universe where Brian O'Leary doesn't cancel the project would have been better or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where that like O train extension doesn't use a tunnel or whatever, maybe uses more reliable trains actually i think i looked it up but i think the trains hadn't been used commercial services not on that line either mm. as of yeah. 2005 or whatever but i think they're working fine now wherever they are that's good hey, speaking of speaking of broken o trains so i was saying yeah i was on on it at blues fest directly before it was broken for like maybe the longest time it's been broken i think it was about a month i forget okay, not as long as that second derailment Okay, and that yeah. was only like secondary. Just felt like a was, long time. It was like midway through July or something, and then it opened before September started for sure. Okay. So what was, but what went wrong? Because like, sure, it was, it got heavy use, I would say, not like specifically, but right before and after Blues Fest. But yeah, again, we're not talking Tokyo people pushing heavy use. Like, what went wrong? They found, they were inspecting wheel axle bogies like they do. And they found grease, too much grease on one of the wheel axles, apparently. I, I don't actually know why, engineering-wise, that's how, how the problems work there. But apparently that was a bad thing, kind of thing. So they shut down the system. And then when determining like the safety note to put it back into 
service, they kept, they kind of uh, <laughs> found some new things that they needed to change to stop the wheels from, I guess, not greasing up. Greasing up. I, I think they also wanted to kind of tackle the larger, a larger problem with the wheels, um, with the bogey axles, because apparently after this, they instead of replacing the bogies every 175,000 kilometers, they are now replacing them every 60,000 kilometers. Three times as often. Yeah, which is um, kind of big for the maintenance team and everything. Uh, so that's partially, or I think one of the main reasons why Go Train is also now running like single car trains most of the time. Um, so that's what I talked about earlier with now there's trains that are higher capacity because like most of the time they're single car trains even during rush hour there's like a few double cars um but there's a lot of packed single car trains kind of thing um, how's, how's the frequencies like have they increased the frequency a bit uh no they've kind of maintained the every four or five minute frequency they were they say they're kind of able to do this because oc trans was still at like 60 percent of pre-pandemic levels Really? Which, yeah. Wow. I think 63% they got up to in September this year, which was like big good almost. <laughs> um, Actually, well, I guess that kind of makes sense because so much of Ottawa works for the government and so much of the government moved to at least hybrid, if not almost legally online. Yes. The federal government is even, I think, shutting down some offices uh, because there's so much work from home. Um, and they are the biggest employer, like you said. So it's a big shift for Ottawa, especially to work from home. Yeah, but like if you think of like sixty percent of pre-pandemic levels, the O train can move, or it was set up with every like four or five minute frequency to move ten thousand people per direction per hour. And so that's what they were moving like pre-pandemic on the bus system, like ten thousand people. So like sixty percent of that is kind of like just over half the trains so it kind of fits with the ridership um but it's still very packed and the double cars don't necessarily line up perfectly it's not just like increasing the capacity by 10 percent on all of the little trains it's just a few trains are double the capacity so it is a yeah but they're just they're trying to keep up with the replacing the bogies every sixty thousand kilometers basically and if they're able to do that while running, if they're able to do that while running less trains and less bogies, then I guess that's the plan. Well, how packed? How packed are we talking? Like you said, about like every four to five minutes, single car. Like that must get pretty packed at rush hour. I've I've been on it at rush hour like once or twice, and it it was it was pretty packed. It was it was kind of restrained by the amount of doors. The one I was on, at least where just everyone was crowding around the doors and there's less doors on like a light rail vehicle than a metro, right? So there was the places mm -hmm. where the bogies were that were kind of like empty. There was a few people like sitting there, not even the seats were full, and I was just kind of standing there because I was going to the end of the line anyway. <laughs> and everyone was packed around the doors. Mm -hmm. um, so it was, and it, it took a, a good bit longer to unload and load up people at the, at least at like U Ottawa and Rideau, I think some of the most popular stations kind of thing yeah yeah hmm. um yeah so pr pretty packed not like 
I assume crush load necessarily, though. At least as far as I know. But yeah. I, I've heard some people complaining about it. Makes sense. So they've got they've got some plans for this though. Like a month ago, they released some plans on the grease that the wheel axle grease um, and just the wheels in general. Uh, a plan on how to tackle that. They also released plans on the lightning strike. <laughs> if you what? remember, the train got taken out for a little while for because of a it got struck by lightning, or like the uh, the the wi- overhead wires did, and also because of freezing rain. So they've got some plans for all of these. The lightning strike one, I honestly, it was very technical. <laughs> I wasn't quite sure what was happening. They they, yeah. they listed like nine things they're gonna do to help stop lightning strikes or stop. Well, not stop lightning. <laughs> no more lightning. <laughs> and lightning in Ottawa. Yeah. To help, uh, yeah. I can get behind that. Mitigate the risks there, I guess. Um, but then the freezing rain, um, which is a common Ottawa. It is a common Ottawa occurrence. It was interesting how you how you phrased the Eglinton Crosstown thing, though, because right? mm-hmm. because I think the problem with the freezing rain was where it, when it where the train goes over the Rideau River, there was like part part of the Rideau River was melted, so there was a lot of mist and it just kind of hit the rails or the wires and froze. So I assume you, I think you mentioned that that was the part they were worried about or the person asking the question was. Yeah, it was an <laughs> elevated section over the Humber River. Yeah. Which, as much as, I mean, sure, the Ottawa had an issue. We do do that a lot, including <laughs> over the Humber River in another spot on the TTC system. So it's is fine. It, I think it'll be it on fine. on the here. subway or? Yeah, yeah, it crosses over it on um, line two. Because, uh... Because I think it froze the overhead wires is the other thing, right? So the subway has a third rail, and I don't know if that would that's be a, different. That's a fair point. Uh, I assume that the crosstown is overhead wires. I think so. Yeah, it is. Yeah. They, would, they wouldn't do a third rail <laughs> when it's running in a median <laughs> on the street. Yeah. <laughs> some, some transit things can go between the two. I, I think it's all overhead wires. So that that is actually a fair point that we do have an entire network of streetcars that use overhead wires. <laughs> yeah. I assume now they should all use third rail. <laughs> just trying to like jaywalk across the street or even just cross the street normally. Good <laughs> just, yeah. Taylor, look where you're going. Exactly. Look at the rails. Honestly, I remember um, when I was younger, like whenever I like you know rarely if you like cross train tracks or like like abandoned ones by like you know the green belt or whatever i i remember just because i went like i read something about the third rail i would even then try not to touch the the rails when i was crossing because i'm like ooh, i don't know if they're electric or not yeah the lime kiln trails like fully electrified <laughs> oh definitely yeah i'm sure they keep yeah. all the old rail pass and whatnot electrified yeah just in case maybe the Ottawa train rails were electrified when the lightning struck it yeah <laughs> maybe who's <laughs> to say um but there were some short-term plans to fix the freezing rain some maybe some anti-icing chemicals some monitoring for ice conditions so they didn't or they don't have a non-electric recovery vehicle uh so if the wires aren't working then the train is kind of stuck out there 
so getting like a diesel train that can go in and help the recover a train. You got to get out um, and push. That's that's actually <laughs> fair. That's that's smart. I I would not have considered that, but the power is down. Trains do be stuck. <laughs> yeah, that's where you need the steam locomotives True. to go in and push the other electric ones. They can warm up the the wires. Up the wires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, just go post under up. the wires for a bit. No, no, no. I say hybrid trains where they can switch to steam if the wires freeze. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. There's just a giant like furnace and pile of coal in the like operator's booth at the yeah. front of each one. <laughs> yeah, just in case. You can put it in the passenger yeah. section so they can shovel it while you're driving. Yeah, true. Oh, if you're bored <laughs> or you want to go faster. You want some extra heat, you can stand yeah. by it. If yeah, the snowstorm's cold. too bad, you get fucking drafted into the OC Transit sho- the coal <laughs> shovelers <laughs> division. Hey, that's unionized. Oh, amazing. We, yeah. love, we love a union job. Yeah. I don't know that it would be if you're just using passengers. That sounds like some scab shit. <laughs> that does sound like some or some gig worker shit. <laughs> yeah, I got a, I got a, I got a seasonal coal shoveling just for um, the summer while I'm off uni. <laughs> shoveling coal on the OC transport. Very good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The OC transport should have more coal-powered vehicles. That's true. It would. It'd be good. It would be yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got no like coal power plants left, right? So you can just. You gotta use, gotta it use the coal for something. What do we do with all this coal? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a massive like stockpile at Kathleen Wynn's house. She's just kept it all there. <laughs> it's all shut down. Yeah. It's a strategic reserve we can trap into. Yeah. Power <laughs> autos transit. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. And then in the long term, they said uh, they will explore heat tracing in the overhead wires. So, like, I guess heating the overhead wires somehow. And um, weather stations at key locations, like, at the reef, to so that they can be really aware of the weather conditions in the problem areas, I guess. That checks out. I feel like you could do a really small version of that, or you probably should have a small version of that. Like, you could set up, like, a little Raspberry Pi with some, like, a thermometer and shit on it. Just to be clear, you mean the operating system Raspberry Pi, not the pastry Raspberry Pi. (laughs) I do, yes. (laughs) Yeah. The the tiny little computers that you can, like, fit in your hand that are typically used for that kind of thing. Or you could just toss a pie down. Yeah, on the top wall of, like, one of the stations with a thermometer on top of it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, perfect. And then you just send a guy around to read the Raspberry Pis. if If they're covered in water, it's been raining. Uh, yeah. If it's kind of hard, it's very cold out. Uh, <laughs> if it's if it's not very nice and warm, then it's hot. <laughs> if it looks gross, then it's uh, been out too long. Yeah, you can change the pie. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think these are good plans. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the grease on the wheels. They've got some plans for that. Um, like, in the short term, they're replacing the bogies and expecting the bees. And, uh, oh yeah, the restraining rail. They moved the restraining rails. There's there's rails on a on a at least on Go train that so just in case Go train like derails on like a, a corner or to make it not derail on a corner basically for safety reasons. But apparently I think the you know the classic in- integration problem here 
like the people who made the rails were North American and made them to some North American standard and Alston made the trains and didn't expect them to be there, I don't think. So they, we moved the restraining rails slightly so that the wheels wouldn't scrape up against them at all uh, because they were doing that. Yeah, just to like visualize it and picture like a, a track for a train. It's got like the two rails on it, the middle rails. Then this would be just additional rails kind of outside of those so that if a train starts to tilt, like hit up against the rail and stop that basically. <laughs> but I think it's just different standards uh, versus like North American versus European restraining rails or maybe Europeans at all. But I think it might just be different standards. I and again, like you said, integration. Yeah. European trains on American tracks. I'm sure. Or North American tracks. Talk to In Canada. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, they're also doing speed reductions, um, which you could probably tell if you ride the train. But it's um, especially if you're coming in from the east. Uh, a lot of the biggest curves are around Herdman and around Tremblay, where there's a lot of speed reductions. Also from Rideau to U Ottawa, um, the train is going fairly slow on those sections to try and reduce wear and tear. Um, <laughs> there's also ongoing external oversight by a separate engineering firm to kind of make sure things are safe. Um, so then there's some medium turn ones where the, they install lubrication things on the curves to try and make the train move smoother through there. Uh, smart bugs are capable of monitoring the condition of axle hubs. I don't know how that works. It's a smart bugs. Yeah. It says just something kind of sensors you'd install in the axle so that instead of having to switch them out every 60,000 kilometers, this would just be like reading out or constantly checking how um, degraded it is. Yeah. So that's just a guess, maybe not constantly, but periodically checking at least. Yeah, I think so. And in the long term, redesigning the wheel axle assembly. Um, so this was a big thing to come out of that, the grease wheeled uh, stoppage where they're they're telling Alstom and RTG and stuff that there needs to be a wheel axle redesign kind of thing. An approved design is expected to be in place by the end of 2024. Um, but then I saw somewhere else, I think, that it might take, actual rollout might take two or three years. Um, but there are promises, at least, that this will permanently fix this issue, at least. Maybe allow for the speed reductions to go away and the replacing bogeys stuff to go away to hopefully bring down maintenance costs um yeah and honestly it does seem like the the o train is trending upward in terms of reliability and stuff like i i am optimistic about like maybe in a year or two it'll be like a regular train system that you can actually you know take to work every single day and it only breaks like one week of the year max <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like, like every transit project has problems. Um, though train has had a disproportionate amount of problems, but it is, <laughs> it's getting better, I think. And they've got plans hopefully. is what I'm trying to say as well. Well, hopefully they're just all front load. Front <laughs> all the problems. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so now we can just talk about a bit about OC Transpo and the future, I think. Um, First of all, there's the bad news, I guess, the funding issues. This stuff about this came out, I think, just before we recorded the first episode or a month before or something. 
Um, there are a lot of concerns about funding for OC Transpo right now. And as I said before, ridership is at 63% of pre-pandemic levels, which in terms of fair revenue is not great for OC Transpo. Um, and it's not looking like it's going back up super fast or anything as well. Um, I think I found, I was trying to find comparisons for that 63% as well. I, I think I found the TTC was like 61% of its pre-pandemic ridership like a year ago. So now it's up even further, but I, I don't know what exactly. Yeah, I it think must it's still be not great. Because really? the TTC is facing massive budget shortfalls as well. Like half Why? a bill a year or so, I think. <laughs> Why? Uh, in large part, I think just decreased ridership. Like it's super reliant on the the ticket box or on fares for their revenue. Uh, oh. They don't have too many other sources. So, I mean, that that's, I think, a big debate for the last little while, but especially right now is how is City Hall going to get this funding? Like, are they just going to try and convince the province to fill it in or... I think there's a big push to try and like add a new tax onto like parking lots or specifically like corporate parking lots that might help cover part of it. But I, yeah, but hopefully it's, they it's, figure something out. But it's not only the, the fair revenue drop off. It's also, I think for just an increase in all of the costs as well, because of, I guess just inflation in general, but uh, like every, everything's gone up significantly in costs. Um, it's nice that it's nice that one of the like one of the train lines you can you know the Confederation line the the electricity costs haven't gone up much, but then like the Trillium line diesel costs have gone up like threefold or something. So, so that's not fantastic um, for for costs. Um, apparently, also I think the the gas tax wasn't increased by the or the provincial government. Which, is the is sorry is is the trillium line even open yet? No, but it, they're just estimating they're gonna have to pay a lot more. And this uh, yeah. this is all about like a oh yeah, in twenty five years we're gonna be a few billion short of where we were supposed to be. Um, and <laughs> yeah, so that's an ideal. That's especially caused problems where the um, where the. Uh, Stage three of the O train. Uh, yeah, that, so this is the end of uh, Standard Humans. No, the end of the podcast. <laughs> Shit. Review O train part three, age three. So yeah, part part one, prehistory, going from you know the basically the beginning of time to uh, when the O train was you know <laughs> first designed, basically covering all that. And then, uh, yeah, the second age, testing and implementation. Third age, opening to now. Fourth age, ghost of O-Train future. Exactly, yeah. We'll talk about, maybe cover some of this budgeting stuff, cover some le- ex- phase two, some phase three, the potential phase three at this point. Maybe talk about some the big bus review that you just said happened, which could have a big impact on OC Transpo service in future. Yeah, we can have and a just- live... Well, not alive. We can have a, a like on, on, like fully recorded. Uh, my me getting my heart broken by my favorite bus routes not existing anymore. Exactly. Yeah. All that to look forward, and probably more of the random tangents and riffs 
that you've come to expect. Yeah. I feel like we've talked about the Crosstown and the Rem in every episode of this so far, and we probably will again. As we should, yeah. <laughs> As is right, really. But yeah, so everyone get on that coal shoveling on the LRT, please. It'll really help things out. It will, yeah. It'll make things run so much faster. But until next time, goodbye. Bye-bye.